Welcome back to the Sustainable Stories podcast. Sustainable Stories is here to bring you the stories behind sustainability in our communities. From big to small, practical to theoretical, we're exploring the people and projects that are working to make our world a more sustainable, equitable, and healthy place to live. Welcome back to the Sustainable Stories podcast. My name is Jenna Inglot and I will be your host for today's episode. I'm coming to you today from my home near Blaine Lake, Saskatchewan on Treaty 6 territory and the homeland of the Métis. I'm really looking forward to today's conversation. Uh, I have with me today Sean Hominick, who is a board member and an avid user of the Saskatoon Car Share Cooperative, and also is involved both in his work life and personal life in many, many things um, around the topic of sustainability. So welcome, Sean. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to uh, talk about car sharing. Me too, me too. So just to start us off, Sean, maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are and what you do and and what led you to where you are today. Yeah, for sure. Um, Well, I guess I'm a lifelong resident of Saskatchewan. I was born and raised in Saskatoon um, and I've never really left. Um, And uh, I I currently live in downtown Saskatoon. It's a neighborhood that I really love and I'm really passionate about um, that kind of matches my lifestyle and everything that goes along with it. Um, In my day job, in my work hat, I actually work for Sarkhan Recycling, which is just an amazing organization here in Saskatchewan that uh, I'm sure everyone's familiar with that marries two wonderful things that that is providing employment opportunities for people who who traditionally experience barriers to employment, but also get to protect the environment, which are both total passions of mine. So uh, it's it's kind of an amazing career that's kind of focused on um, social responsibility and also things like resource consumption um, and uh, waste management and resource conservation. So that's kind of my work life. And then I'm a, a board member and active user, like you said, of the Saskatoon Car Share Cooperative. Um, I am a multimodal uh, transportation aficionado, and I actually don't own a car. And um, basically, my friends and family think there's a lot of weird things about me. But the one that they just can't get over is I don't own a car. <laughs> So, so uh, uh, I have actually uh, been car-free for about 11 years. There was a wonderful incident uh, at a birthday party, a uh, surprise birthday party, where I took my car and then decided responsibly not to drive it home. And when I went to pick it up the next day, it was smashed. SGI said, it's a total write-off. And I just said, maybe, this, maybe I'm going to try living car-free for the summer. Uh, my partner thought I was crazy um, because we were we only had the one car, uh, and now both of us really really wouldn't want to own a car. We we kind of love um, active transportation. We're both cyclists, and we both walk everywhere. Um, and uh, transit, big users of transit as well. But there was a bit of a gap. So uh, in Saskatoon, it's a lot of people need a car, 
Um, and there are just some things in, in Saskatoon that you just can't do without a car. So we actually uh, found the car share through a few board members who, who pointed us at, at, at the direction of the car share. I think it was at uh, Saskatchewan Environmental Society's uh, Green Living Expo. There was a car there. We asked a thousand questions and immediately became members of the car share. So, yeah, cool. that's me in a bit of a nutshell. <laughs> I love it. Thank you for sharing that, Sean. Um, also, just so amazing, like being car free for 11 years. I think um, actually a podcast we recently recorded, we were talking about just, you know, ways to be more sustainable and like consuming less is at the crux of that. And that infiltrates so many different aspects of our life, but um, um, vehicles and vehicle use and, and vehicle lifespans is like a huge part of that. Right. So um, that's incredible. I'm curious and I know our listeners will be as well. I mean, I, I actually do know quite a bit about the Saskatoon car share cooperative, but I know um, many people don't. Um, so could you give us a bit of a rundown of like how it works? Like, okay, it's a Saturday morning and you want to go pick something up at a greenhouse outside of the city or something. Um, what do you do? How do you get a car? (laughs) Yeah, uh, that's a great question. There's a, there's two ways, uh, to, um, to get a car. Um, so we have two levels of membership. There are full cooperative memberships um, where you pay uh, the member fee. Um, it's one time that you can you can take out any time you, you want to move, or you can just be a casual member and just pay a monthly fee. Um, we have an online booking system where you book one of the six cars out uh, for the time slot that you would like, like it. Um, and then basically we all have a fob that gets us into the car when it's our reservation time. We, we just kind of fob into the car and then, uh, it's really, really amazing because you pay basically $8 an hour. It's $10 if you're a a casual member. Um, and then you get five kilometers free and then you pay 40 cents a kilometer after. So, um, it's really, really like easy to manage. It's really easy to implement. Just like you said on the Saturday, um, I can say, you know, the greenhouse example is really great, but most everyone says Costco or dog food, right? (laughs) (laughs) Of course, of course. Yeah. I have a massive dog. I am not biking with his monthly dog food, you know? So, uh, it's, for dog food at Costco on a Saturday morning, you basically, if you, you check our website um, or the, our booking system, maybe uh, all the cars are available. Maybe if you are out and you can kind of check the times, you can book it right there on the spot as well. Uh, yeah, so it's really, really quick and handy. Um, and I guess like car sharing in this model is really awesome because there's a lot of big corporate car shares uh, in the world um, that that are are great and they're part of the sharing economy, which we really love in terms of, like you said, um, 
resource conservation and how how wasteful cars are uh, on many levels. But uh, we have a cooperative model, which is a totally Saskatchewan thing. <laughs> we have totally. members come from Toronto that kind of go, I don't know what a cooperative is, that, what, what's going on. Um, and so it's really great because we are members of this, this car share. Um, we see a huge uh, a pri- pr- pride of ownership. Um, our members take care of the cars. They wash the cars. You know, they leave them quite tidy, which is an important thing. And then the other thing that I love, 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 love about our car share is uh, we our fleet includes four electric vehicles that are, um, I, it is the first car share in North America to be powered by solar powered electric vehicles, which is amazing. Um, and in partnership with the SES Solar Co-op, uh, really great. So um, not only is this affordable, but it's also sustainable. And what a great entryway to have access to electric vehicles, which have traditionally been expensive. They've been hard to kind of fit into your households or like me, I live in an apartment and, and our, our condo board doesn't know how you would ever plug in a car into a wall. You know, there's lots of barriers to EV ownership. Um, and so this is, this is another way to kind of test the EV waters. Yeah, that's cool. I love that. Um, and actually, that's how I know about the the Saskatoon Car Share Co-op is because I knew there was this project going on at the time was super involved in SES and also in the, the SES Solar Co-op. And so, yeah, I think it's so cool how it's like two co-ops kind of mutually benefiting from this really innovative project. Like I just, it's super cool. Um, so yeah, so that's cool. And I'm glad that you shared that. Where do the cars live? Like, do they have, like, are they all in one location or do they kind of each have their own little home? Like I, I just, yeah. Where do the cars live? And is it typically pretty easy to get to one of the the homes of the cars? (laughs) Yeah. Um, our, our model, the co- our cooperative model is for fixed locations. There are some in the world who kind of, you can drop them off wherever um, you kind of need them, but ours are fixed locations. So there are six fixed locations in, Saskat- or in Saskatoon. They're all within the core um, because that's kind of our highest use. Our, our, when we've done our, 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 our market research, that's where the demand is and that's where the interest is. So especially around the Nutana area, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that is our, our most frequent users. Um, anywhere there's a really dense population is like the perfect opportunity for a car share. So you've got two in uh in broadway or on broadway we've got two in riversdale and then we've got two in city park downtown extended okay nice yeah yeah that's interesting um yeah and it's cool like i mean just in the way that you shared that you know other co-ops um doing certain things and you guys doing things a different way um i think it's interesting because of that cooperative model um, you know, your users are probably involved in how you make your decisions as well, right? Or like where we place things, where are users located, where, you know, you're, you're, yes, of course, there's market research involved in all of that, but you guys also have 
um, you know, that cooperative model where you you probably kind of get to know your members and who they are and what their needs are. And it's a bit more of like an open-minded, collaborative kind of conversation, I'm sure. Yeah, I, uh, a really awesome example of that is um, basically that, that pricing structure um, was kind of fixed for a long time. So it was this much an hour, this much a kilometer, which really didn't lend itself to day trips or, or taking the vehicles out of Saskatoon. And so, you know, the members wanted that and we implemented a day rate that is uh, with one of our, our, our gas uh, vehicle. Um, we allow it to go outside of the city. You can book it for full days for a pretty cheap price. That's much cheaper than, um, than a, a rental car. Uh, and basically it's now our car shares are popping up at the lake. They're being used for work trips for myself. I, I take it to Regina all the time. Um, and so, you know, it's a much more intimate situation when you're working in a cooperative model because those members have a say, they take ownership of it. And, you know, I always say I'm car free, but I actually own this much of a car, right? Because I'm a part of this cooperative. Uh, so I do own a chunk of a car and I, I do as a board member, I, I, I exert how, uh, how I want uh, the cars to be accessed. So yeah, it's a really cool, cool model. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I think about so many different things um, <clears throat> from a sustainability perspective. And I think we're oftentimes thinking about, um, you know, purely the environmental side or the environmental and social side, but, um, you know, thinking about the way things are structured from like a governance and collaborative ownership perspective, I believe is kind of a huge part of the future of sustainability. Like if we're not including people in the decision-making processes, like people and communities and um, each other. Like, I don't know that, you know, we could continue to achieve good things from a sustainability perspective, but maybe not so much in in a way that is meaningful for, for people, um, all people. So yeah, I love that. When you talk about those concepts of like giving up a car, it's oftentimes, because we do trade shows at the car, car share. Um, and we talk about it. Uh, we talk about giving up your car. I did it. And it's it's kind of a shutdown point for folks because they can't visualize their life without a car. And we say, but what if you did have access to a car and it was just part of one of the many options you have? I think is a much more gradual approach into introducing um, really deliberate thoughts about your consumption habits. And that's that's always my recycling hat and my waste hat going on because, you know, um, I work in a system that is dealing with a very reactive uh, situation, which is trash and waste and um, waste doesn't necessarily need to happen. Uh, it can be minimized. It can be completely eliminated. Um, and so entering people into those conversations about like, your consumption habits and thinking about the vehicle, which is actually um, probably your biggest, a lot of people's biggest impact on the planet and on top of resource consumption from not only just a fuel, but an oil, but uh, uh, tires, um, batteries, all these really toxic <laughs> elements of, of, of consumption habits. 
um, all rolled up into one car that we just kind of consume because we have to. We got to go to work and back. I really got to go to Costco. I really need the dog food, you know? Um, it really helps kind of open people's eyes to how much do I need a car and could I be using it less and could I be using shared transportation? Can I walk? Can I, can I bike more? Um, so we hear a lot from our members about how it's a really nice compliment to have. So you yeah. can make those decisions, walking and biking and feel confident knowing that if you have to run to a hospital in an emergency, but it's, 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 uh, it's pretty far away. You can take a car. You, if you yeah. have to go to Costco. To get dog food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. No. And I think, I think that's it, exactly as you shared. And, and, um, you know, like you say, when you're talking to folks, um, I think with a lot of this stuff, people's first reaction is around what they, what is gone, like what is gone away from their life and like what is taken away and um, kind of like the glass half empty approach, as opposed to looking at, you know, what comes from, um, you know, I'm, I, I live rurally, uh, so I, I do own a car, um, but I've, I own an older car and have owned it for a very long time. Like, you know, people don't typically own cars for the same car for 11 years. And, and I think about that experience and, and, and thinking about the car share co-op in the same way, what comes like, what opens up in your life when you don't have a car payment, when you don't have the expense that you're saving up for replacing a car, the, the expense of, a new tire or something goes wrong and now you're fixing something like all of these things that again, when we think about getting rid of a car, we're thinking about the things that are gone, like the no longer the negative, the glass half empty piece. But what about all these pieces that are gone that like free up so much um, for you financially, but also just like stress wise, like not having to stress about, Oh my gosh, this oil change or like these car tires that need to get, Oh my gosh. And I was going to go to this, concert but now I can't because I need to fix my transmission or like all of these things that we again we just associate with regular parts of our lives but there are other ways of doing things right so yeah yeah exactly uh I also like to think of like the importance of of something like sharing economies uh like the car share on and its impact on um things like municipal affairs and, 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 and all levels of governance. Um, I just have to think that the city has to love something like the car share and um, cars, <laughs> cars bring so much cost to a city and to a province and to, to a country. Um, you know, I basically, the things that people complain most about are, are in Saskatchewan are the are taxes and the roads, basically. And um, we can definitely have an impact on both of those by by removing some vehicles from from the streets. And so when I think about the city of Saskatoon and I live downtown, it is a lovely, vibrant community that is full of empty parking lots because they have to be there because there's a peak time that people will park for eight hours a day. They'll just park their car, it'll sit there, and then they'll go back. And I think what of uh, what a waste of land that is. 
and how we could be developing our, our cities smarter if we took some vehicles off the road. Um, we could be dedicating less parking. Um, you know, I have friends who the car share baffles them and, you know, they could just never make it happen. Um, but they will take the opportunity to complain about traffic all the time or won't visit me downtown because the parking is terrible. And it's because of those single people in single vehicles. And it's because of uh, a household of four owning three vehicles when you could clearly get by with two and maybe peak time there's a car share or sorry one yeah totally yeah <laughs> so yeah and I think that's that's another I you know again thinking about things that we could be doing differently or structuring differently um I think the pandemic kind of lent itself to that conversation as well because I think about um even myself I I don't I, I work in the city one day a week and and it is downtown and I think about how full those parking lots probably were um pre-pandemic and how empty they are now and the reality that in the course of 18 months our view of offices and you know working from home and all these different work structures have drastically changed so now um you know thinking about the way we design downtowns and the way we design cities as a whole if you're going to have half as many people commuting to work and half as many people working from an office and half as many people in a downtown then how should we maybe be rethinking how we structure these cities right and thinking about even downtown Saskatoon which is this has just changed so much in 18 months, but there is a lot of empty parking, even though we're back to quote unquote, not really, but air quotes here, normal <laughs> times. Um, you know, there will be 50% of the workforce that never goes back to an office. And so, you know, we built these things, we took away bike lanes, we did all of this stuff to accommodate vehicle traffic, um, which in the course of 18 months has drastically changed. So yeah. What would what would happen too if if a company or an organization or you know even the corporation of the city of Saskatoon um said we're not gonna offer employees parking, uh, but we will offer you a free bus pass or a subsidized bus pass because we want you to take that. Um, and our organization is going to have a car share, not, you know, the Saskatoon car share cooperative, but we've got our own so that when you have to run out in the middle of the day, we've got you covered, but you know, we want to be good. We want to be good corporate citizens. We want to be good organizational citizens of, of the city that we live in. Um, we want to lower our footprint and that includes you guys driving to and from work. So what would that look like? I would love to see. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That kind of restructuring, again, it's possible, right? Like we've created this thing, we can change this thing too. So yeah, yeah. The other um, really awesome example uh, to not just corporations, but also like multifamily dwellings like I live in, how amazing it would be if if the city kind of said, we really want you to offer a shared vehicle in your locations. And and you see that in a few of the more progressive developments. I know Shift has a development with a car share. And we also have a vehicle at Radiance Co-housing as well for for the the owners of Radiance Co-housing too. That's 
it's an amazing partnership and it's tremendous. And, and um, the folks there are great. They use it. Uh, they use the car like crazy. Um, and so other, other alternatives to having these massive parking lots <laughs> and parked cars at an apartment that don't move because, you know, someone like me who lives in downtown, I can walk and I can, I can bus everywhere. And if I had a car, my car would be parked most of the time. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think it's a good, it's a good moment in time, although, you know, it's, it's never, never early enough, but it's a good moment in time to be kind of rethinking how we do these things because so much has changed um, over the last year and a half. So yeah, yeah, this is great. Um, I'm curious, Sean, uh, if you could share a little bit more, I think these things are connected and they're definitely all connected to sustainability, um, about your role with Sarkan. Cause I think similarly, I just, it's, it's such an incredible organization. Um, also, also very unique to Saskatchewan, right? Like we talk about, um, cooperatives being unique to Saskatchewan. Sarkan is really unique to Saskatchewan and even the way it's, functions is very unique to Saskatchewan. I know when I moved to, I did my undergraduate degree in, um, in BC, in Kelowna. And I remember thinking like, you know, the whole system, actually, I remember at the time kind of, um, you know, always talking down about the recycling and the way things are done in Saskatchewan. And then I arrived in BC and I was like, Hmm, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. I really miss Sarkin. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. I'm sure I'm curious if you could just share a little bit more about, um, yeah, just Sarkin as an organization and, and your role there. And because um, I think as Saskatchewanites, um, you know, we know a lot about it on the surface level and we sure as heck would miss it if it was gone. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and honestly, that's some of the feedback we get. We get people contacting us who moved to Manitoba and Ontario that go, why haven't you started up here? <laughs> they don't know what they're doing here. Um, you know, Sarkan is an amazing, amazing organization that um, I hope people don't take for granted um, because sometimes it feels like a chore, um, but it's tied into... Uh, basically starting in 1988 with a problem that was identified, which was litter at the time. Um, and the disposable beverage container was really had over the, the 10 years previous had really taken a hold. Um, before that, everything was kind of refillable. Uh, it was glass, it was durable. There was a circular economy that was in place that we somehow managed to screw up great. So, the collective we, the collective we. Yeah. Um, and so um, the, the government at the time kind of saw an opportunity um, from some models they, they saw in the U.S. Uh, for recycling depots. Um, and they were also looking for, um, on the social services side, some opportunities to promote inclusion and work experience for people experiencing disabilities. So our parent organization, SARC, um, is uh, another fantastic organization that supports um, nonprofits primarily working in the disability services sector um, to really, really provide vocational and life skills opportunities for people experiencing disability and beyond. So um, it was kind of the government saying, 
could this be an employment opportunity? And also we've got a waste stream that we really need to tackle. And so that's how Sarcan formed. Um, and it's it's grown tremendously ever since. It was first off, it was just the aluminum can. That was the problem child. And then we added plastic, which is kind of permeated every function of our life <laughs> in every single way. Um, tin, glass containers, whether they're refillable or one-time use, cartons. Um, and then a, a really awesome and something I really love that we've done is partnering with other industries who are responsible industries, who care where their products end up and want them collected uh, and recycled responsibly. So um, the paint industry works with Sarcan, um, our, our electronics industry and retailers work with Sarcan to collect all their end of life electronics. And then also uh, the battery industry as well. So uh, we do a lot of recycling. We've got uh, in peak season, we have a thousand people working at Sarcan depots, uh, 73 Sarcan depots and two processing plants. Um, we recycle 100% of our materials within North America. We always try and prioritize as close to Saskatchewan as possible um, with any of our procurement and any of our, our marketing of salvage. So we have uh, markets for tin and also glass here in Saskatchewan. In Western Canada, all of our plastic um, is, is recycled and transformed into new products within Western Canada. Um, and then we've got aluminum going down to the States as well. So it's really, really a fantastic, fantastic organization. Um, we were, I was talking with a colleague today uh, about why we don't have a mascot. And then we were like going back and forth on mascot. And um, I really wanted it to be a wizard that is just kind of like no nonsense, just really chill and just kind of goes boom, transforming things, trash into basically um, new resources and new commodities. And, um, you know, it's kind of the importance of recycling is making sure that we're not wasting resources. Um, we talk a lot about oil and gas and you know, we gotta we gotta love Canadian oil and gas. I've seen the bumper stickers, but we don't not necessarily always think about all the other resources we're consuming and then wasting that end up in in massive landfills of Saskatchewan. Yeah, absolutely. Was that a good enough description? I don't know. I could rant and talk about Sarkin for probably two hours. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's great, Sean. I I super appreciate that, and I think. You know, it, it's good for folks to hear as well. Um, I actually didn't know uh, about the market side that you shared, like the fact that a lot of that stuff stays um, in Saskatchewan and then in Western Canada, but definitely in North America. And I think that, um, so that is that's a new, new knowledge for me. So thanks for sharing that. And I think um, thinking through some of this stuff too, um, and, and exactly as you said it, you know, how we use resources and what we do at their end of life is just, yeah, when we think about sustainability, um, and it doesn't necessarily seem like as big an issue here, like people are able to ignore it a little bit, because it's not so there's more space, things aren't right in your backyard, I don't have to look at it. And so people are less concerned. Um, and it's also because organizations like Sarcan exist, therefore, it's not in your face and in your front yard kind of thing. Um, 
but I think the, the waste, the waste stream and the waste structure is, you know, when we think about these, these global sustainability kind of wicked, wicked problems, if you will, um, those ones are, you know, waste and, and waste restructuring and, and the whole waste stream is really a huge, um, piece of this puzzle and how how we do this stuff moving forward is is really really critical and um you know being excited about different uh low waste no waste kind of options and how we restructure this stuff is um really critical to the whole the whole movement so we've also seen this like amazing growing conscience of people you know um uh People are really passionate about recycling. They want to do the right thing. And, and the, the blue bins at everyone's houses really has kind of also like pushed us forward on that end. Um, but we we kind of see a lot of people that I kind of think, you know, you've got recycling, but recycling is the starting point for, for re- living a sustainable lifestyle. Um, it is kind of very low on, on, on the hierarchy. And um, what people choose to prioritize in their, in their worlds related to sustainability is kind of always interesting. What we see is people are passionate about glass. You know, um, it is heavy. It has value. They want to make sure that it gets recycled properly. Um, if a community doesn't accept a, a jam jar in the blue bin, it is an uproar but they can consume pounds and pounds and pounds and pounds of plastic because there's an easy solution, you know? (laughs) And so I I, kind of always think of those structures of, of if people really thought really consciously, a conscientious thought about what you're consuming and, and some of the hazardous material that you're consuming and, you know, electronics and batteries and paint that we take, but also plastic in your footprint uh, related to that. Um, how would it affect your decisions uh, before end of life? Because like I said, we're completely reactionary, um, but what are the proactive measures that you could take in your life? And what are the individual actions we can take to kind of push things forward? Because I don't know that all the industry are going to bail us out on on things like waste and things like automobiles like i i you know the the uh the automobile industry isn't really interested in car sharing there's a couple companies that have done it in in europe and have backed out but you know it's it's not their bottom line to to uh sell less cars so yeah yeah for sure even the whole conversation and we kind of started off so we're kind of coming full circle here but you know the conversation around you know we just need to consume less things like we just and that it it relates to cars it relates relates to just every aspect of our life right and exactly as you said it it, very interesting having conversations with folks about um you know packaging and how things are packaged and making purchasing decisions again you know, there's some privilege involved in this, obviously, in, in how we being able to choose what we buy for certain things. But for, for those of us who are able to, like, you know, spending the extra time, it's really a lot of, of extra time, but like figuring out where you can buy things um, that don't come with packaging or instead of recycling that really great jam jar, you can just wash it out and rip the red label off and, you know, go fill it with some shampoo or something you know like how could you reuse some of that stuff um instead of having everything come in these like 
slightly less heavy, um, but these things that are plastic and we just, hopefully people are recycling them, but especially the thin plastic films that things come in, most people, that's just, that is trash. Like people are just chucking that yeah. in the garbage. So yeah. 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 So this was a this was actually um, a really good way to kind of end our conversation, Sean. Because I a lot of our listeners on this podcast are kind of looking. I mean, they're they're interested in sustainability and and the conversation and and kind of um, different career paths and people's stories and sustainability. Um, but oftentimes, a lot of a lot of our listeners are eager to learn about you know what what can I do or like, how can I change things and wanting some of those actionable items. So I think um, without even asking that, I think this kind of led us, led us to that conversation. So I, yeah, appreciate that what you had to share. Um, I'm wondering, Sean, so just, just as a way to um, leave our listeners with something, um, how can people, so two, two parts here, cause I'm really curious about sharing, making sure we share the Sarcan piece too. If people want to learn more about, um, the car share co-op or about, and, or about Sarcan, what is the best way to learn a little bit more about that? Yeah, the, the car share has a really great website. Uh, it, it will get you through all the information and talk about the pricing options as well um, and the different membership levels, the location of our cars, and, and you can kind of see our booking system as well. Um, so you can learn about that. Uh, you, we can always take you out for kind of a test drive and, and it's pretty easy to get into a car share. You got to be 21. You got to have a, a pretty good driver's abstract and uh, um, you got to pay your bills because we're a cooperative. Um, so if you want to start driving a car, um, just let us know. You can email us from the website as well. Um, and we're always looking for volunteers too. So if you're looking for some um, for some board experience, it's a really amazing hands-on board. Uh, I can speak to it from experience where we are doing things like we are actually cleaning the cars. We're we're doing social media. We're 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 selling. We're invoicing. Um, so it's a really hands-on great work experience uh, to be on the board. And then we also have some maintenance uh, volunteers as well, the people who just really like cars uh, and taking care of cars. And, you know, we'll, we'll offer to take them to through the car wash or, or look after winter maintenance and stuff. So uh, definitely email us if you're, if you're looking to help out, the car share is, is super amazing. If you want to learn more about Sarcan, we're all over the social medias to an annoying degree because we really like talking up our game. Uh, our website is amazing. We have 73 locations that you, you can visit. Um, we've got on our website too a really awesome depot tour and processing tour that takes you through start to finish from where, where you come in to where those products end up. That is really quite fascinating um, and perfect time for a pandemic when we're not probably going to host you uh, as a tour. So uh, definitely check that out. And you can always message me through our website as well. Um, and we would love to talk about uh, responsible resource consumption. It's a passion of ours. So, yeah. 
Awesome. I love it. Thank you so much, Sean. That's great. Um, I, I appreciate that you mentioned the, the volunteer opportunities as well with the Car Share Co-op, because again, I think kind of an actionable thing that people can participate in and do and also learn from. Um, so yeah, thank you for sharing that. And thank you for taking the time to be with me today on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And I learned a lot and I'm looking forward to sharing this with our listeners. So thank you. And what can we do to start up a car share in Blaine Lake? Yeah, totally. <laughs> we already we already have a Tharcan, and I've lived in lots of small, small rural places in Saskatchewan. You know where we've had to drive to Regina or elsewhere to access a Tharcan, and we have one right in this little town, and I just love yeah. it. So, next up, car share club. <laughs> love it. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Sean. All right. See ya. <laughs> Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the Sustainable Stories podcast. This podcast is hosted by myself, Jenna Inglot, as well as Roxanne Wagner from Sage Sustainable Solutions Consulting. For a full list of episodes, as well as more information about Sage, check us out online at sagesustainable.com. And as always, we welcome your feedback, thoughts, and suggestions. Catch you next time.